You're listening to The Firsts, The Forerunners of Islam, the series that visits those distinguished as leaders of humanity, not only in history, but in the ranks of the next world. Dive into the stories of the giants who were the first of their kind as they rose to the occasion and became preserved inspirations for generations to come. With your host, Sheikh Dr. Omar Salaman, let's meet The Firsts. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh everyone. Welcome back to the first Bismillah alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. So inshallah ta'ala tonight we will be talking about Salim, Mawla Abi Hudayfa radiyallahu ta'ala anhuma. And um, I know that with Abu Hudayfa radiyallahu ta'ala anhu, there was not much about him, but it's important to situate his context. When it comes to Salim radiyallahu ta'ala anhu, it's not that there is so much that's known about him radiallahu ta'ala anhu. It's the position that he would attain in Islam despite all of the shackles that makes him so noble and so admirable. So it's not that his biography is huge. It's that when you look at the things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed him with, then you really can see how Islam came to liberate people to their full potential and that full potential is to be the most pleasing person to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala amongst the people despite everything. Now, if you said Salman al-Farisi radiallahu ta'ala anhu, Salman the Persian, everyone knows who you're talking about, right? But if you said Salim al-Farisi, Salim the Persian, right? very few people would associate that with him radiallahu ta'ala anhu. In the case of Salman radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he knew who his father was. And his father was, of course, a chief from the Persian uh, clans. In the case of Salim radiallahu ta'ala anhu, his family is completely unknown. Like Salman radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he was of Persian descent. Unlike Salman radiallahu ta'ala anhu, his history before Islam is almost completely unknown. So he was a freed slave, as we've mentioned, of Abu Hudayfa radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And because we've already covered Abu Hudayfa, uh, that reduces our load with Salim radiallahu ta'ala anhu, and we can focus on the highlights with him. Um, as he was a freed slave of Abu Hudayfa radiallahu ta'ala anhu, Abu Hudayfa married him to the daughter of Al-Walid ibn Utbah, who was of course his brother. Now, there's so much to, um, to talk about just in this part here. Remember on the other side on the day of Badr was the father of Abu Hudayfa, Utbah, Shayba, his uncle, and Al-Walid, his brother, his older brother. There is a woman by the name of Fatima, once again, Fatima bint al-Walid ibn Utbah, okay? Fatima, the daughter of Walid ibn Utbah, and she is the niece of Abu Hudayfa, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, and Fatima bint al-Walid made hijrah to Medina and was one of those who accepted Islam and, uh, and had a difficult time but there is almost nothing known about her. There's something, subhanAllah, about the Fatimas, as you can see, right? SubhanAllah, Fatima bint Asad radiallahu ta'ala anha, our, uh, our, of course, um, our queen, uh, Fatima bint Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam radiallahu ta'ala anha. And we see Fatima, the mother of Abu Hudayfa, who embraced Islam and made the hijrah to Habasha. Now you see a niece of Abu Hudayfa, who is the daughter of Al-Walid, who was a staunch opponent of the Prophet ﷺ as well, who makes the hijrah to Medina. And she was considered one of the best of those who was unmarried that made the hijrah. 
Put this in perspective. She's prominent. She is known for her beauty. She's known for her wealth. And she could be married to anyone she wants to from the Sahaba, right? And she is someone who by Jahili standards as well, especially by the standards of the Day of Ignorance, everyone would want to be connected to that tribe, to that family. Abu Hudayfa takes Salim radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Salim who is unknown in his descent. We're not even talking about the tribe in terms of you know the tribe being a weaker tribe. We're talking about a man who has no tribe whatsoever, who comes from a background of no wealth whatsoever. And he pairs him off with his niece, Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha, the daughter of Al-Walid. And she was getting an incredible husband in the process as well. So this was part of the way that you see the Ihsan here that was shown to Salim uh, by Abu Hudayfa in truly bringing him in and making him feel like a son. Now, there's one thing to, it's one thing to be brought in as a son to this prominent family and not to be weighed down by Jahli standards. We see in another way the Prophet integrating him, not just in a way of making him feel welcomed, right? but of giving him a high position in Islam by virtue of this man's love for the Qur'an. So when you talk about Salim radiallahu ta'ala anhu, other than his family and his background, you cannot talk about Salim without talking about the Qur'an. He was considered amongst those who had the most beautiful recitation of the Qur'an. You loved to hear the voice of Salim. The Prophet sallallahu loved to hear Salim recite the Qur'an. And I'm just giving you a hint from now. Look out for a narration in the Ramadan series, inshallah ta'ala. Okay, particularly about how much the Prophet loved to hear the voice of Salim radiallahu ta'ala anhu specifically leading the Qur'an. All of the Sahaba used to love to listen to him. And when there was a request in any gathering for the Qur'an to be recited, everyone looked at Salim radiallahu ta'ala anhu and said, let him read the Qur'an. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, take the Qur'an from four people. Take the Qur'an from four people. You know Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu, we already talked about him. Ubay ibn Ka'ab radiallahu ta'ala anhu, Mu'adh ibn Jabal radiallahu ta'ala anhu, and Salim Mawla Abi Hudayfa. So these are the four people that the Prophet said, take the Qur'an from them, meaning listen to it from them and understand their interpretations, how they have familiarized themselves with the context of the revelation of those verses to uh, the Prophet So in Mecca, they would listen to him read the Qur'an and his voice was known to be beautiful and his memorization was peak. And in Mecca, when the Sahaba would pray together in Dar al-Arqam, of course, if the Prophet ﷺ is there, the Prophet ﷺ leads the Salah. But if the Prophet ﷺ was not present, then Salim anhu is the one who would lead all of the other Sahaba in Salah. So if you want to talk about Imam al-Muhajirin, the Imam of the Muhajirin in Mecca, it was Salim anhu, a freed Persian slave who had absolutely no weight in the sight of people in terms of the Jahli standards, in terms of the days of ignorance. And this is in Mecca. He's leading the Sahaba in Salah and Dar al-Arqam in Mecca. Now, because he was the, the freed slave of Abu Hudayfa, he had the protection of his tribe. So Salim was someone that people did not feel comfortable around because of who he was, but at the same time, they had to treat him in a certain way because he had the protection and the love of Abu Hudayfa. So he was able to be in those circles 
despite the fact that he was looked down upon because he didn't have the status in terms of his lineage or in terms of his wealth or even subhanAllah in terms of his background. He was not even an Arab. Um, and still at the same time, uh, he's able to be in those circles. Of course, when Abu Hudayfa radiallahu ta'ala anhu migrated to Habasha, Salam radiallahu ta'ala anhu migrated with him. And here is probably, subhanAllah, a distinction that you have to really appreciate about this man. He led the Sahaba in Mecca. When the Prophet sent out the Sahaba to Al-Madinah, particularly to Quba, the Imam of the Ansar in Quba was Salim Mawla Abi Hudayfa. So Salim was Imam Al-Muhajirin wal-Ansar. By the time he was in Quba and he was appointed to lead the Salah for those that migrated from Mecca and the fresh converts of Al-Madinah, you had the likes of Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anhu and some of the seniors of the companions present and Salim radiallahu ta'ala anhu was their Imam in Quba until Imam al-Mursaleen, the Imam of the Prophets, arrived, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and then the Prophet sallallahu took his place. So he is Imam al-Muhajireen wal-Ansar, subhanAllah. We of course already spoke about how um, he was, um, you know, uh, how he was taken as a son by Abu Hudayfa and how the unique circumstance of a tabanni uh, affected him, where Salim radiallahu ta'ala anhu, un, you know, unlike Zayd ibn al-Haritha radiallahu ta'ala anhu, uh, does not go back to being Salim, the son of anyone, but simply becomes Salim, Mawla Abi Hudayfa. What were some of the other things they used to call him? They used to say Salim al-Salih or Salim min al-Salihin because we didn't know his status. So they would say Salim, the righteous one, or Salim is from the righteous people until they settled on Mawla Abi Hudayfa because his relationship with Abu Hudayfa survived everything, okay? He participates in every battle with the Prophet along with Abu Hudayfa And in every battle, Salim is noted for his courage. So he's amongst those that would not flee from the battlefield but would plunge forward. And we will see this, by the way, in his last battle. Abu Hudayfa would look for him. He would look for Abu Hudayfa. So, you know, at the end of every, every battle, every family accounts for itself. And for Salim radiallahu ta'ala anhu, that was just Abu Hudayfa, right? Abu Hudayfa accounting for him after every battle and he accounting for Abu Hudayfa radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And we see that, you know, as he is reciting the Qur'an and as he is leading with the Qur'an, he connected that to everything that he did. He connected that to everything that he did. So anytime Salim radiallahu ta'ala anhu would see a good deed in front of him or something that was needed to be done, he would say, woe to me, a carrier of the Qur'an, how could I not do this? Or if he saw a prohibition or if he saw something that was harmful and he, you know, and he saw other people undertake it, he said, woe to me, I am a hafid of Qur'an, I'm a hamid of Qur'an, I have to hold myself to a different standard. And that's something for us to think about, right? SubhanAllah, that... Salim radiallahu ta'ala anhu did not take memorization of the Qur'an and the recitation of the Qur'an as just something to be done in some sort of a, you know, a conference or in some sort of a hall or, or to be a source of pride in and of itself. Instead, Salim radiallahu ta'ala anhu held himself to a standard with the Qur'an. And that particularly shows in the battle of Al-Yamama. When the battle of Yamama happens and Salim radiallahu ta'ala anhu has fought every single battle courageously and gone forward, when the battle of Yamama happens, 
Salim radiallahu ta'ala anhu insists on being on the front lines. Now, what's really important to understand here is that the whole reason why Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala anhu had ordered Zayd ibn Thabit radiallahu ta'ala anhu to collect the Qur'an in one mushaf was because of the amount of huffaf, the amount of people that would be killed in this particular battle and in dealing with the false prophet Musaylimah. So under the rule of Musaylimah, the false prophet who claimed revelation falsely, so many of the hafad of the Qur'an, and not all of the companions were hafad of the Qur'an, memorizing the Qur'an, so many of them were killed that that was the first time that it dawned upon them to really you know, uh, see the writing of the Qur'an as a, as, as a necessity to its preservation. That's not to say that the Qur'an was not written prior. No, the Prophet ﷺ would have the Qur'an written. The Qur'an was gathered all together in the house of Hafsa anha. All of it with its loose pages and loose pieces that it was written on. But there were so many people that memorized the Qur'an that there was never really a fear, right, of, of any sort. But the amount of hafaz that this false prophet was killing leads to uh, a sense of worry and a sense of concern. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, Allah has guaranteed to us that He will preserve this wahi, that He will preserve this revelation. And indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala preserved it through the hearts of these men before their tongues or before, these, before their pens. And so you see Salim radiallahu ta'ala anhu. He's on the front lines of the battle against Musaylama al-Kadhab. And he insists on going forward, insists on going forward, insists on going forward. And on that day, he looked towards Zayd ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anhu. So he was near Zayd ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And Zayd ibn al-Khattab was the brother of Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu. And Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu used to say about Zayd, he used to say, he beat me in two things. He became Muslim before me, and he became a shaheed before me. Right? SubhanAllah, this son of al-Khattab, this brother of Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, like his sister Fatima bint al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anha. This brother of Umar radiallahu anhu who is barely known in the books of history, preceded Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, not in virtue, but Umar used to say he preceded me in Islam and he preceded me in Shahada. He became Muslim before me and he became a martyr before me as well. And Salim radiallahu ta'ala anhu was near Zayd ibn al-Khattab who's leading the way on that day in the battle of Al-Yamama. And Salim radiallahu ta'ala anhu sees the Sahaba start to fall. One by one, their necks are being struck, the spears are hitting them, the arrows are hitting them. They were greatly outnumbered by Musaylama. And Salim radiallahu ta'ala anhu shouts out and he says, Ya ahl al-Qur'an, zayyinu al-Qur'an bi'a'malikum. Ya ahl al-Qur'an, zayyinu al-Qur'an bi'a'malikum. O oh, you who carry the Qur'an, O oh, people of Qur'an, those who want to be considered amongst the people of Qur'an, beautify the Qur'an with your deeds. Beautify the Qur'an with your deeds, meaning beautify your recitation. Now is the time to show the beauty of your recitation. SubhanAllah, he takes pride in what? That we are Ahlul Qur'an. We have to take this idea of being hafad seriously. If you just study the story of Salim alone, by the way, the whole notion, the whole... Everything that surrounds how we approach hif of the Qur'an in our ranks changes. So he's shouting out to all of the Sahaba and particularly to those who were considered amongst the reciters of the Qur'an. Ya Ahlul Qur'an, Zayyinul Qur'an bi'a'malikum. O people of the Qur'an, beautify the Qur'an with your deeds. And as he's going forward, he then shouts out to himself. 
right? So he shouts out to everyone, specifically the people of Qur'an. He then says about himself. He says, He said, What a wretched bearer of the Qur'an I am if the Muslimun, if the Muslims are attacked from my direction. Subhanallah. So he's blaming himself, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, as he's fighting and as he's guarding to make sure that no one comes from his side. I'm going to hold my ground. And he said, I would not consider myself to be considered amongst the people of Qur'an or what a poor carrier of the Qur'an I would be if the Muslims are attacked from my direction. SubhanAllah, once again, if you're a hafid or you want to be a hafid, listen closely to the words of Salim radiallahu anhu and the deep implications of what he is saying. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala preserve the Qur'an in our hearts and our memory and our tongues and in our deeds. Allahumma ameen. And as he's going forward further on the battle of Yamama, they say that Salim radiallahu ta'ala anhu was bearing the flag and his right hand was severed. And he picked up the flag with his left hand while his right hand was bleeding. And he started to recite from the Qur'an. How many times did a prophet fight in the way of Allah and with him fought large bands of righteous people? But they never lost heart if they met with disaster in the way of Allah, nor did they weaken, nor did they give in. And Allah loves as sabirin Allah loves those who are steadfast. So this was the last word of Salim radiallahu anhu, or the last motto of Salim radiallahu ta'ala anhu, was a verse of the Qur'an as he was going forward. And Salim radiallahu ta'ala anhu was struck once again in the chest as he shouted that out. And Salim radiallahu ta'ala anhu was laying in the battlefield and the blood was flowing from him when they got to Salim radiallahu ta'ala anhu. When they got to Salim radiallahu anhu and they found him in the battlefield, the first question he asked them, he said, what happened to Abu Hudayfa? <laughs> Remember, after every battle, your family asks about you. Every, the brothers ask about each other and the, the friends ask about each other, but particularly the family's account. So Salim is laying in the battlefield and the blood is flowing from him. He says, where is Abu Hudayfa? And they said to him, لَقَدْ اسْتُشْهِدَ Abu Hudayfa has been martyred. And Salim radiallahu ta'ala anhu knew how badly Abu Hudayfa radiallahu ta'ala anhu wanted to be a shaheed. And Salim radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he can barely speak now. I mean, you're, you're looking at a man with his last breaths, right? As the blood is flowing from him. And Salim radiallahu ta'ala anhu said, can you put me close to him? Can you put me close to him? Subhanallah. He's about to die and he wants to be close to him. And he knows that Abu Hudayfa radiallahu ta'ala anhu was like a father to him, a brother to him, um, a companion to him who embraced Islam with him. Can you put me next to him? And they said, Salim, He's already right next to you. SubhanAllah, without it even being planned, Abu Hudayfa radiallahu ta'ala anhu fell in battle right next to Salim radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And Salim was dying. Abu Hudayfa had already passed away. But because of the situation of Salim, as he's looking up and the blood is flowing from him and he's breathing his last, he didn't notice how close Abu Hudayfa was to him. Think of that scene, right? They're on the ground together, these two that embraced Islam together before Dar al-Arqam was even opened. One of them had the highest status in this life. The other one was considered a person of lowly status. But now they were both given the high status of shuhada, the high status of martyrs in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
So they said to him, Ya Salim, laqad istushhida fi nafs al-makan. He was martyred in the same place as you. Salim radiallahu ta'ala anhu smiled and he died. He was so happy that Abu Hudhayfa was next to him. That was the last thing he asked for in this world, the last request was, can I be next to Abu Hudhayfa radiallahu ta'ala anhu? Together they entered into Islam. Together they were inseparable companions and together they were shuhada buried next to each other, roaming the gardens of Jannah together. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be pleased with them both. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala join us with them and all of the righteous that preceded us. Allahumma ameen. I want to end with one thing, inshallah ta'ala. And that is when Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu was dying. When Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu was dying, and Umar radiallahu anhu said, there are some people that I would have appointed as an amir over you if they were still alive. He mentioned Abu Ubaidah al-Jarrah, and then he mentioned Salim Mawla Abi Hudayfa. He said, if Salim was still alive today, I would have made him an Amir over you. I would have appointed him to be the Khalifa. This man could have been your Khalifa. SubhanAllah, this man could have been your Khalifa radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And if that does not speak to the incredible new standards of Islam, I don't know what does. A Persian slave of no wealth, no background, no nothing. And Umar radiallahu anhu said, if that man, Hamil al-Qur'an, who lived the Qur'an, who carried the Qur'an, who fought with the Qur'an, who beautified his actions with the Qur'an, who was persecuted with the Qur'an, who was killed with the Qur'an, if he was alive, I would have made him an amir over you. I would have made him your leader. Radiallahu ta'ala anhu wa radiallahu anhum ajma'een. That shows you something different about the Prophet ummah and how they were able to change society so quickly. And these standards that not only shifted outwardly, but shifted inwardly as well. When they saw Salim radiallahu ta'ala anhu, they didn't see Salim al-Farisi, Salim the Persian of no wealth or status. They saw Salim, the man of Qur'an, who led us in Mecca and led us in Medina. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to be joined with him and with Abu Hudayfa and with all of them in Jannah al-Firdaus. Allahumma ameen. Jazakumullahu khayran. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This podcast was brought to you by Yaqeen Institute for Islamic Research. Dismantling doubts and nurturing conviction, one truth at a time. Tune in every week for the next episode. And don't forget to subscribe to this channel and share with friends. Until next time, this has been The Firsts, The Forerunners of Islam.